District of Conservation is sponsored by CFACT. To learn more about our sponsor, head over to CFACT.org. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Welcome to District of Conservation. I'm your host, Gabriella Hoffman. This podcast offers a sober examination into all things hunting, fishing, shooting sports, energy, environment, and the public policy surrounding it. And this podcast also specializes in original interviews that you won't hear elsewhere. Here's what I have for you today. In honor of episode 10 of my Conservation Nation series debuting today, I will be providing you, my dear listeners, with an expanded conversation with two of the interviewees featured. You're going to hear more from Jim, Unma- from Jim Unmacht of the Arizona Sportsman for Wildlife Conservation and Kurt Davis, who is a commission member of the Arizona Game and Fish Department. They're going to expand more about national monuments, their respective titles and organizations, and what makes Arizona's offerings unique. Also, just some of their frustrations that they have and that they've encountered. So I hope you enjoy this expanded conversation and that you also check out the new episode of Conservation Nation. Tomorrow, we're going to hear from Avine Klein, formerly of Congressional Sportsman's Foundation, now with NRA, to talk about a crazy Oregon initiative petition ballot measure that is going to be voted on this fall a very concerning thing so we have a lot covered this week i am i have a lot of content for you this week i am going to be out in montana idaho working on some more conservation nation episodes and doing some interviews with some stakeholders across several different issues so if you don't hear from me that is why but i wanted to give you guys some content while i'm traveling to keep things consistent of course but really appreciate you all listening i hope you enjoy the expanded conversation with both jim and also kurt all right everyone this is the first of several arizona and utah themed episodes we're here with jim and he is an arizona sportsman and jim is going to explain to us his organization what we saw at agua fria national monument and much more so jim thank you for joining the podcast okay thank you for having me um my name is Jim Unmock. I'm the executive director of Arizona Sportsmen for Wildlife Conservation. We're an umbrella group that has uh, 40 member affiliate and associate organizations uh, that are part of us. We are advocates for outdoor recreation, sportsmen and women issues, and uh, things that impact our ability to recreate in Arizona. <clears throat> we are involved with wildlife conservation, habitat improvement, youth recruitment and retention, uh, as well as wildlife education. And we also sponsor a conserving wildlife license plate through the Arizona Department of Motor Vehicles, uh, blue plate with a number of uh, Arizona native animals around the edge. And uh, we award grants for conservation projects, uh, youth activities, uh, youth camps, and uh, conservation education matters. So that's what we do. Uh, We keep track of legislation that's uh, going on both in Arizona and on a federal level. Uh, We deal with the land management agencies, both state agencies as well as uh, federal agencies, the uh, Forest Service, the BLM, uh, U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, uh, Bureau of Reclamation, and uh, try to keep track of what they're doing and how it impacts sportsmen and women and uh, what we like to do. And Arizona is about 40% public lands, correct? 
give or take, there's, largely federal lands? There's approximately 23% of Arizona's land mass that's uh, not owned by the federal government or doesn't have a special designation on it. So that creates some issues. Uh, it also means that most uh, sportsmen and women recreate on public land. Uh, and Forest Service BLM land primarily and uh, when we have to deal with issues like special designations, uh, national monument, national parks, wilderness areas and the like, uh, that causes restrictions and potential problems in the ability to recreate. Talk about the national monument <laughs> issue more broadly. A few years ago, you and the Game and Fish Department wrote a letter in support of reevaluating national monuments you obviously, all the groups like yours in Arizona do have the opportunities to recreate, but there are some caveats sometimes to these designations. So talk briefly about what can happen if these monuments can be politicized. Sure. Monuments can uh, impact the level of regulation that is involved on a piece of public land. Uh, here in the Agua Fria, we can still hunt, we can still camp, uh, we can still hike, we can watch birds. Uh, but we can't we can no longer recreationally shoot uh, and the same is true with the iron ironwood national monument south of phoenix uh, i think the sonoran desert as an example another one south of phoenix had once it became a monument resulted in about 83 miles of road closures so access is an issue uh, you can hike uh, but in some cases, motorized travel is restricted. Uh, from the Game and Fish Department standpoint, uh, they're charged statutorily with uh, managing over 800 species of wildlife in Arizona, both game and non-game. And when you put a special designation on a, on a piece of property, that creates issues with their ability to manage surveys, uh, wildlife waters, uh, monitor hunts, uh, endangered species efforts, a number of things of that nature. So it impedes their ability to uh, as freely manage the wildlife as they would be able to do under a piece of property that didn't have a special designation. And on <clears throat> Agua Fria, there are lots of opportunities to hunt. You mentioned it when we were recording uh, what are the type of species? Several deer species and We've others. We've got uh, mule deer, uh, coos whitetail. Uh, there's bear, uh, javelina. Uh, there are still some pronghorn antelope. Uh, not as many as there were a few years ago, but there are still some. Uh, there also used to be quail. Uh, we're in the middle of a long-term drought, and uh, many of these species have been impacted by that. And uh, we're also very close to Phoenix Metro, and there's not as many quail here as there used to be. And we were talking before recording about your concerns with a potential settlement. Like you said, you handle not only Arizona issues, you guys are also very concerned about what happens federally. And this would probably impact a lot of your membership, but the potential settlement to come out from Center for Biological Diversity versus Fish and Wildlife Service, what is your group nervous about with that potential sue and well, settle agreement? A couple of years ago, we advocated for the expansion of hunting and angling on the National Wildlife Refuge System. Uh, we were very pleased to see that effort underway. Uh, we, in Arizona, we have, uh, I 
believe, eight or ten national wildlife refuges, and uh, maybe two-thirds of those were included in that initial evaluation. Uh, we just weighed in on two more, the Havasu and the Bill Williams National Wildlife Refuge, and we have two left. We have the Cabeza Prieta, and we have uh, the Kofa National Monument that hasn't been included in that. But the issue with the CBD is they have uh, they've filed suit against the uh, U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service to end the use of lead ammunition. Uh, that obviously has uh, has been in place for a long time for waterfowl, uh, and the state of California has eliminated all lead from their their hunting. I don't know about angling, but hunting for sure. But that would have a drastic impact on all National Wildlife Refuge hunting and angling if lead ammo uh, and lead fishing tackle were no longer to be allowed. Uh, I've seen some studies. There was a, uh, a seminar with the Congressional Sportsman's Foundation last year that talked about uh, some northeastern states. Maine was one of them uh, that said there's no impact on lead ammo, ammo when it comes to loon uh, reproduction. Now, we don't have many loons here, maybe a few during migration, but uh, the waterfowl we do have are already protected from uh, non-lead when it comes to uh, duck and goose hunting. Uh, but this potentially could impact uh, anglers and hunters uh, for uh, non-migratory bird species. And hunters and anglers, as we know, pay the bulwark of conservation exactly. funding, so it would undermine public lands access, too. Uh, with that decision, and I've spoken to other people about that, but I know here in Arizona it would have a very drastic impact too. So thank you for sharing your perspective on that. Is there anything else you want my listeners to know about your organization, your efforts that they can take back with them if they're outside well, of Arizona? As I, I mentioned to you before, Arizona is seeing a marked increase in population. Uh, probably most of those folks are non-hunters and anglers. And one of our biggest challenges is to educate the non-hunting and angling voting public mm -hmm. uh, on the importance of not just the, the dollar contribution that sportsmen and women uh, contribute to the cause through the Pittman-Robertson and Dingle-Johnson monies collected on ammo mm -hmm. uh, and the like, but uh, the fact that we are the original conservationists. And with that, we're the ones that are footing the bill on much of this. We're the ones that have perpetuated a lot of the species that would have been gone 50 and 100 years ago. And we just have to make sure that uh, the non-consumptive people appreciate the contribution that the consumptive folks are, are offering in the, in the mix. What is the best website or social media channels for my listeners to connect with you guys? Uh, you can reach us at uh, azsfwc.org, and we have a Facebook page uh, you can find from that website, and uh, we're welcome any feedback. Wonderful. Thank you, Jim, so much for sharing what your organization is up to, showing us Agua Fria National Monument, and we wish you guys the best of luck in your endeavors to advance sportsmen's issues. Thank you. Good Kirk, why don't you introduce yourself to our viewers? All right. What's your um, position? Awesome. Kurt Davis, and I'm Sorry, actually. Hold on a second. Sorry. I'm Kurt Davis, and I am 10 years into my tenure on the Arizona Game and Fish Commission. What does your role entail? We set all policy for all things wildlife in the state of Arizona. 
which includes over 820 species of wildlife, the most of any state in the country that doesn't have an ocean. And talk about the role that public lands play in terms of access for sportsmen and women. How are they an integral part of management here? So of the 820 species, the vast majority of them reside uh, in large numbers on those public lands. Part of managing those 820 species in some of the species management is the access for sportsmen. We need hunters uh, who fund conservation, the vast majority of conservation, we need them on the, on the landscape to help manage populations so that all 820 species can thrive. And Arizona is home to 18 national monuments. Yes. And national parks, several national, not as many national parks, but I think three national parks, but five. Five national Going parks. Going on six. Oh. Okay, that's a lot of national parks. And a lot of these national monuments are situated on Bureau of Man Land Management land also Forest Service land, and Arizona was in support of the 2017 review of former Interior Secretary Zinke put out. Why did you guys jump on board that, and what is Arizona's contention with kind of a writ large proposal for National Monument expansion? The Commission uh, supported that review because many of the monuments went well beyond protecting antiquities. It took large swaths of federal land and basically put them in a holding pattern uh, without appropriate funding for the management of those lands. It can, monuments can impact the ability to manage wildlife. And the third, you know, third concern of the commission as well is, is that monuments behave as a gateway drug for national parks. We already have a national park system that is not appropriately funded. We have massive infrastructure shortfalls, uh, basic things like roads, water, so that people can actually go and enjoy those parks. Those infrastructures are crumbling and the money's not there. Last count I saw is uh, 12 billion of unfunded um, liabilities just to, just to come back to basic standards. Now you layer in monuments who are a step child uh, to a park and they don't receive the appropriate amount of funding to manage them. So what happens is many, uh, in many cases the BLM or the Forest Service, or if they're managing them in tandem, which happens here in Arizona, one of the stupidest ideas known to man, um, they, will, they will begin that process of limiting access because they don't have the resources to manage the monument. So bottom line is, you can target the antiquity, antiquities for uh, protection, which everyone would support, but you don't have to take out hundreds of thousands of acres to protect a one-acre antiquity. What has been the impact of monument enlargements to sportsmen's access? I know in the review, uh, the Game and Fish Commission had listed, or the Game and Fish Department had listed, that there were noticeable diminishments in terms of access points for sportsmen and women? If you go up to the north end of the state in particular, you, which is an important area for sportsmen's access, uh, the Parishon, for example, you have major limitations, road closures, gated off areas, which impacts both the management of wildlife by the department, but also impacts sportsmen's role in helping the department manage wildlife taking care of waters, uh, basic things like that. Uh, 
uh, get uh, become hampered in those kinds of scenarios. And again, it goes back to they don't have the resources to manage those monuments. So what do you do? You close off access because then you can manage less. That's not good for the wildlife. That's certainly not good for the landscape. Um, I mean, we have repeated federal failure in Arizona. If you go back to all the way back to shutting down the timber industry, now we have some of the largest wildfires in the country, wiping out wide swaths of uh, critical habitat uh, in our northern part of our state. Then you layer in monuments which aren't being properly managed, don't have the financing, the fund, uh, funding to do it, and then you couple that with now an inertia to turn certain monuments into parks, which even reduces access um, even more and limits the state's ability to manage our wildlife. How come Arizonans prefer the model of having more involvement? Why is it better for public lands management compared to this big scale national monument approach? Well, some of the western states I know you're familiar with also have these large percentages of our state are federal holdings. Um, Arizona's only one, like one percentage point behind Nevada for ownership by the federal government. When you have that reality, you all, a state also has to make a living. It has to be able to generate tax revenue for its schools. It has for places for people to work, um, access to critical um, minerals and, and trees and everything else. As you monumentize the state, you reduce that access or that doctrine as we've as we've if since our nation was founded of multiple use in our public lands in our forests doesn't mean that those forests aren't protected they are you can't just everyone knows you can't just do what you want right now we have fire restrictions in our forests you can't have campfires it's to protect uh, that resource but you have to have places where you have people can make a living they can run cattle we have critical uh, resources that are necessary for national security. I mean, you have to be able to mine in some places. Those benefit the state as well. They generate mm -hmm. tax revenue, they generate do uh, jobs, they provide a living for people on this landscape. You just take all of that out of circulation, you are hammering a state like Arizona that has so much public land. Mm -hmm. I think that's great. And we'll do an additional intro maybe do a brief overview oh, i've worked with such and such and then now i've now kind of seen what you do Will now you, we can use this conversation as part of my podcast yep. instead of that's fine duplicating yeah. duplifying yeah but so um yeah intro be perfect yeah i'll record the intro separately but yeah we could do um just well, him sitting here being like my name is so and so and again a brief intro again well, if, if, if people are interested in hearing his quick background oh yeah yeah, yeah yeah so i can put it back in yeah um but didn't he introduce himself a little bit with yeah, but if you want to Oh, the Paul. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, let's do that. Do you, will you indulge us with that? I really like that because it is a center right audience. So I'm one yeah. of the few, um, aside, aside from my um, video stuff, on my podcast, I'm one of the few in DC and also in the natural resources space who goes about it from a center right perspective because everyone is so, so much to the left. And I'm on an enemies list on the Center for Western Priorities. They called me a disseminator of misinformation, although I'm taking federal government stats and putting it out there yeah. about like 30, 30, like you're lying about 30, 30, like nah, it's already 40% exceeded. But, um, yeah, let's do that. Holy wild. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah. 
Kurt, you had mentioned before we recorded that you worked with Barry Goldwater and other illustrious Arizona politicians. Mm -hmm. For my listeners who are politically inclined, talk about your experience briefly with him, Reagan's administration, and anything else you want to include. Well, my first first campaign I ever volunteered for was Barry Goldwater in 1980, and I was uh, his Northern Arizona coordinator uh, at the time. And uh, what a fascinating uh, man and an incredibly, uh, incredible intellect uh, that, that always held true to the basic concepts of our Constitution. Sometimes when it even made people on his own side of the aisle uncomfortable. It's one of the things I always admired about him. Through that journey I also uh, met and, and worked for, actually served on two presidential campaigns for John McCain. And Senator McCain also had a little bit of that independent um, nature to him. But he was also very engaged, like Barry Goldwater was with his photography. John McCain was very engaged in wildlife issues throughout Arizona. I personally, since I was on the, when I was on the Game Fish Commission, went on three or four lengthy overnight trips to go observe Arizona wildlife uh, with John McCain. And he was very dedicated, and he worked hard on the monument issue. Uh, he had deep concerns about monuments and wanted to have the state and its wildlife agency be able to have maximum opportunity to manage that wildlife. I was blessed to serve in the Reagan administration. Um, That was quite an exciting uh, time and uh, worked with some really intelligent, bright people that taught me much uh, during my, my time there. I went to Department of Education, Small Business Administration, in the White House Communications Office. And uh, all of those were fantastic experiences. I worked for, I was Deputy Chief of Staff to an Arizona Governor, uh, Governor Fife Symington, who was an incredible fighter for states, authorities, um, and being able to manage our natural resources. Uh, that was a wonderful experience. I've been blessed to have many of those during my, my time here. Yeah. And then one more thing I'll ask about, how did you get interested did you have a personal vested interest as a sportsman? So let's do one more quick All right. component. Yeah. <laughs> the little That's a Grand Canyon. Those are great. You can catch trout near the Grand Canyon? Oh, yeah. Now, that, that's 30 miles down from the dam. Uh-huh. Uh, you have to hike it. It's an old Navajo water trail. You, you'd love this story. as a. So there's when they created the park, mm-hmm. they had overstepped... The, the Navajos actually have a strip of the, the, the river, mm. and it goes into the park. And the Park Service, when they show you a map, don't show you the Navajo part. Mm-hmm. So there's this wonderful fit, uh, old Navajo water trail. Women used to go in, sheepskin, fill their, wow. the water, and hike out. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I do that hike in. I stay for three days, and then I hike out. And uh, it's about 33 miles down. It's called the President Harding's Rapids. And uh, used to catch fish like that all the time. Incredible. But when Babbitt started the flushes, when he was Secretary of Interior, and they started flushing the river out, it destroyed a lot of uh, large trout uh, fisheries. But we still have a blue ribbon world-class fishery at Lee's Ferry. Mm -hmm. Um, And they don't look like that. Sure. But it's a world-class fishery. But interestingly, we had to fight for 
10 years to start restocking wow. on the lease ferry because mm -hmm. people contesting every, yeah. you know, they, they hate trout, hate sport fish. Um, there's easy way, they, they, there's basic science. The, the upper end of the river is cold, right? It's highly oxygenated. Dam, highly oxygenated. Mm -hmm. Trout do well there. Yes. Then when the little Colorado comes into the Colorado, it becomes very silty mm. and warm, much warmer. Yeah. And the chub live down there. Oh yeah, chub like to Chub don't there. like cold water. No. So there's a natural barrier. Huh. But radical environmentalists want to create right. this notion that trout are eating all the chub. Ooh. Chub, by the way, we've just asked to be delisted. Chub oh, good. extraordinarily well. And we were able to prove through science that there weren't three subspecies. There's a single species of chub. Oh, crazy. Which, you know, yeah, the, uh, yes, the fight's over science. So I'm proud of the fact that we have been, we've been restocking. And the, the state owns riverbeds. Mm. The feds do not own the rivers. Didn't know that. And so part of the discussions with the Park Service at least Ferry was, that's our river. You, you, have you no don't. Yeah, that's. Hmm. You, you can look at it, you can enjoy it, mm -hmm. but you don't decide what happens mm -hmm. uh, when it comes to sport fish. Mm -hmm. We decide what happens with sport fish. I'll tell you one other funny story. I'll, you'll, you'll get a kick yeah. out of it. So Roosevelt, long twisty road. I was born in Southern California, and I hated it. <laughs> uh, went to high school there. Had a high school teacher that did a, a, a class on survival and I fell in love with the outdoors when I was in his survival class and I went to Northern Arizona University to be a forestry major. Uh, that was kind of my dream and at the time the Forest Service was not hiring and I couldn't afford to go to school for four years and not get a job. So I changed to public administration and public policy and I'm, got engaged in, and through people, you know, through the eyes of people like Barry Goldwater and John McCain and, and others, um, you know, really fell in love with the whole concept of that, the difficulty of public policy on our public lands. And as a conservationist and a sportsman myself, I'm an avid hunter and angler, um, you know, you see up close what needs to be done when you're actually on the land and mm -hmm. you see what needs to be done. When I see 400,000 acre fires because of gross mismanagement, uh, it makes you sick to your stomach. And the same thing that worries me about too many parks, too many monuments, they will be the first to burn mm -hmm. um, because they're not managed at the levels they need to be. And wildlife struggles in many of our parks and monuments because it's not managed at the level it needs to be. We have a huge bison problem mm -hmm. in the Grand Canyon, for example. That's right, yeah. And that <clears throat> comes from not being able to get in and actively manage. They don't have a natural predator in Arizona, and so guess what? There's more of them every year. And then they begin to damage the habitat, and they actually damage antiquities. So we've actually been working hard the last few years to uh, uh, create a new partnership with the Park Service in the Grand Canyon because their objective is they realize they got to get bison out of there uh, and get them down to numbers that are manageable. So that's at least a good sign. There's a, 
on occasion there's these little victories. But by and large, parks are very poor at managing wildlife and monuments, it's not on their list. And again, they don't have the money, the personnel, they don't have the law enforcement. Game and Fish is, enforces the vast majority of um, off-road vehicle um, enforcement, people that are on, you know, out on our landscapes because the, for the feds simply don't have the people. And when they cut their budgets, they cut the field personnel first. The corpus in D.C. always survives, but the field operations get punished. And so if you don't have game and fish out on the landscape and people are worried about destruction of habitat, enforcement isn't going to happen without a state agency. Feds simply just don't have the people and can't cover the landscape they have. Border is another great example of it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if anybody wants to see a lack of ability uh, wander on down there, great habitat damage being done in the Oregon Pipe Monument, mm -hmm. uh, which most people can't even get access to. They have huge access problems. Thus, there's enforcement problems mm -hmm. in the border. I mean, we can go on and on for hundreds of hours about the damage being done in Arizona through the monument system. Um, it is not built for large landscapes. Its intention was to protect small areas with specific antiquities, which everyone can agree on. That's good. Great job. Yeah, and I'll leave it all Excellent. in. With the, I have yeah. one bonus question. Um, <laughs> what do you have to say to people who, I know lots of people that they would just be like, oh, bison are so cute, I don't understand. Is it just a different worldview they have, or just like no understanding of what you're talking about? Like, oh, they don't have a Yeah, I mean, a lot of them haven't been to the north rim of the Grand Canyon, right? They've been to the south rim, right? They're, the bison are on the north rim. There's around 700 of them now. Um, we did our first, we did do a hunt. I actually inquired to the Park Service. Uh, Katie Pablo trusts me for Town Hall. She's like, can you inquire with them? Like, what's it going to entail? Are they going to allow hunting or yeah, something? It took us like five years to make it. Oh. The current superintendent, this one, please don't talk about. Yeah. He's a good guy. Uh-huh. Right now he's having a meeting. Thanks for listening to District of Conservation. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you haven't already, make sure you find us on your preferred podcast player. We largely circulate on Apple, Spotify, and countless others, but those are our two big podcast platforms you want to push. Make sure you're subscribed there, especially on Apple. If you like the podcast a lot, go leave us some reviews. We'd be more than grateful to get some five-star reviews from you guys. Moreover, we're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and a little bit on YouTube. We don't populate there, but connect with us on social media. Find me personally on social media with blue check marks super easy to find. And I would love to hear your feedback and know who you'd like to see on the podcast. Thanks for listening to District of Conservation. Stay tuned for the next episode.